I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in I found my mind in a brown paper bag but then I tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high I tore my mind on a jagged sky I just dropped in See what condition my condition was in. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I pushed my soul in a deep dark hole and then I followed it in. I watched myself crawling out as I was crawling All right, that was the uh, Big Lebowski. Actually, it was just it was a song, Kenny Rogers. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in, and uh, one of the great movies of all time. A lot of people think it's just a comedy. Oh, it's more than a comedy. That is for damn sure. I think it's probably. The most Kubrickian 
version of the Coen brothers that the Coen brothers have ever dialed up. It is actually a, an esoteric masterpiece. I've done a number of, uh, discourses and deconstructions on that movie. And there's a lot going on in that film. And that one scene, just that one scene where, you know, you had the whole checkerboard thing, which is obviously Freemasonic. You had, um, Maude, who's played by uh, Julianne Moore, and she's wearing the Viking horns, but it's really um, a crescent moon, and so she's a fertility goddess, right? And the big Lebowski is going to be the person who will essentially impregnate the, the fertility goddess, and there's also pyramidal symbolism in there. Like really fascinating dream sequence. At the end, of course, you have the uh, the nihilists, and the the tiny nihilist on the far right is flee from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's a great movie. I was um, on IMDb yesterday. I don't I don't know how I got there. What was it? What was I looking at? I forget. Anyway, I wound up on uh, Elliot Gould's. IMDb page. Elliot Gould is uh, still alive. He's a Virgo, born in 1938, same year as my mother, 1938. Interesting. Way more hip than my mother. He's one of my favorite actors. Well, before he got old and bald. But I won't hold that against him. I suppose his role in um, the remake of the Oceans movie, Ocean 7 or whatever, with Brad Pitt and George Clooney. I'm sure he was fine in that. I mean, I, I did see those movies, I think, or parts of those movies. And he, he was, he was in there and he was fine. But when he was young, he was, he was one of those really um, interesting and iconic. Oh, I know. I know. I think of how I got there. I was doing a list of my favorite football movies of all time. And, uh, MASH actually made the honorable mention because of the football sequence of MASH, which I thought was great. You had Fred the Hammer Williamson, who played Spear Trucker Jones, who was a back surgeon. See, they were not typecasting there, right? Even though his name was Spear Trucker Jones, he was a back surgeon. Like, how many, you know, so called black African American back surgeons were there? In Korea, I'm sure there were a few. I'm not saying that there weren't, but it was like that's an that's a very enlightened casting choice there, Robert Altman. And then to give him the name Spear Trucker Jones on top of that is equally interesting in its own way. Anyway, um, I think that's how I got to Elliot Gould's IMDb IMDb page. And I have no idea what Elliot Gould has to do with the big Lebowski. Oh, I know. I know. Okay. I had to get back there. There was a, there's a movie called Marlowe that Robert Altman, there we go. The director, he, I think he was, he did three movies with Elliot Gould. He might've done more, but I know there were three. There was MASH. There was Marlowe, and then there was California Split, which is a really interesting movie. In fact, at the beginning of California Split, 
where Elliot Gould meets up with George Siegel um, at this poker club. The, the, the people who are there playing poker in this poker club, they, they were uh, patients at Synanon. So <laughs> Robert Altman hired a bunch of Synanon people to be the actors for that opening scene in California. California Split is a really interesting movie. It's very funny. It's weird. It's surreal. It's, I really like Robert Altman. I think he's one of uh, America's great and underrated directors. I don't like everything he did, um, but very good, very talented guy. So yeah, that's how I got there. It was through uh, Marlowe. And the reason why I went there was because there's an interesting connection between Marlowe and the big Lebowski. In the opening sequence in Marlowe, uh, Elliot Gould's character has a cat. And the cat is hungry. So the cat gets up. Well, he gets up. The cat was already up. Elliot Gould gets up in the middle of the night to go to a market and buy his cat cat food. And he can't get the right cat food at the market. It's not the cat food that his cat likes. And as he gets up, so it's a, it's a weird setup. His apartment... I'm not sure where it is in L.A., but it's like elevated, right? It's elevated and there are these other elevated apartments and across from him, there's this weird group of women who seem to do nothing but get high, get naked and do yoga across from him, right? And they all seem like little MK Ultra kittens because they're so, they're like blank screens and, and vapid. And Elliot Gould is, he sees them, he's kind of nonplussed by them. Like he never hits on them. He's like, hi, girls, you know, oh, can you bring us back something? You know, it's like he's just kind of a, he knows they're there, but he's just not hooked into them, which is an interesting part of his character. Anyway, he goes to the market to get cat food. It's very similar to the opening scene of The Big Lebowski, where Jeff Bridges' character, Jeff Lebowski, goes to the market and he buys cream right? Cream is something that, you know, theoretically people used to give cats. So he doesn't have a cat, but he, he has a, a, a white Russian fetish. And that's why he goes there to get the cream. And he drinks about half of it before he goes to the counter and he writes a check for the cream. It's like, I don't know, 89 cents or something like that. Boy, boy, those were the days when you could buy a, a pint of cream for 89 cents. And there's also some interesting connections between the big Lebowski and Marlowe in terms of setting like Malibu plays a role in both of those movies. And I think Robert Altman, um, the Coen brothers have a little nod to Marlowe because that's the other thing about the big Lebowski is it, it's a gumshoe film, right? It's like people don't understand this about that movie. Jeff Bridges, AKA Jeff Lebowski plays the role of like Sam Spade. He's this, you know, he, he, he's a, basically a, a beach bum loser. He's a, he's a caricature that the Coen brothers dredge up and, you know, one that's not inaccurate for like that time in the set in the setting. Uh, and he gets drafted into essentially 
taking on the case for Bunny Lebowski, you know, the other Lebowski, the other Jeff Lebowski. So there's this whole weird thing with mixed up identities, right? There's a whole Gemini thing going on there. And he's he's been hired to uh, deal with the disappearance of Jeff Lebowski's wife, the young Bunny Lebowski. So he becomes like a Sam Spade-like character. And Big Lebowski is a take on this whole idea of the film noir detective. And most notably, Humphrey Bogart as Sam Spade and the Maltese Falcon, uh, The Big Sleep. Those are all uh, Raymond Chandler novels, right? So it's that and it's more. There's all kinds of stuff going on in The Big Lebowski, including this very strange, alchemical, weird, esoteric, and occult subplot with um, with Jeff Bridges, a.k.a. Jeff Lebowski, and Maude Lebowski, who is played by Julianne Moore. That's a whole other thing. And then you have, of course, Walter Sobchak, the character of Walter Sobchak, who is played by John Goodman, and he is supposed to be John Milius, who is uh, no, a, one of Hollywood's most notorious neoconservative directors. John Milius is a neocon. And he loves guns, and he loves violence, and uh, he loves Israel. And that's, you know, that's the character that John Goodman plays. Although, what, what the Cohen brothers do is they invert John Goodman's character. And instead of making him Jewish, oh, look who's here. Instead of making him Jewish, um, they make him a non-Jew who's pretending to be a Jew, which, by the way, is still a commentary on John Milius. They're like, eh, he's a Jew that's pretending to be a Jew. Right? He's really not a Jew. This is what they're saying about John Milius. Big Lebowski's brilliant. It's an absolutely brilliant movie. And um, great performances um, all the way around. One of my favorite movies of all time, because it's really not really well understood. But And there's some very devious parts of The Big Lebowski as well, which I've also talked about in uh, the scene where John Turturro's character comes in. And uh, he plays uh, this bowler named Jesus, not Jesus, but Jesus. And he's, Jesus is a pedophile. So this is where the, where the Cohen brothers are taking a, a real shot at Christianity in the movie. Like this is straight out of the Talmud, right? And I don't hold it against them. It's still, I think it's still a great movie, but it's in there without a doubt. Like there's no character that is um, not, strategically placed that's why it's very kubrickian in that regard anyway good morning everybody welcome to another edition of 15 minutes of flame how are you as always we have a lot to talk about i was gonna i was prepared to talk about one thing and now we have a shooting in new york in the subway all right let's um before i dive into that subterranean mess. Let me uh, check in with the absolute best chat group on the internet. And I know that there are other people 
other, other websites, other shows that would like to lay claim to that. But I'm just telling you right now, Chataria is number one with a bullet. <laughs> All right, who we got? We got Queen Lisa. What's going on? There's my man, Steve. I love saying that name. There's Ryan. Ryan, how's that website coming? Ryan, a very talented woodworker. Uh, let's see. Empath in the house. Let's go on to Empath. Uh, who else do we have? Let's see. He had a gas mask on. That's right. Myra. Hey, live on the Wii. What's going on, Myra? Nice to see you. Welcome. There's my girl, Fran. What's going on, Fran? Getting a lot of con It was so funny. <laughs> I was at uh, I was at Ace Hardware on Sunday, and um, was checking out. And I was I was I was wearing this, but then I was wearing one of my other uh, this uh, cap, this baseball cap, the cinch cap. And there was this young woman who was checking me out at uh, Ace Hardware, and she said, "Oh, I really like your necklace. Oh, thanks." Then she said, "I really like your cap too." <laughs> I'm like okay not bad for a 61 year old dude i'll take it why not all right who else do we have here miss nakia of course jasper rosie let me give you a rosie update yesterday i was working on stuff on my website etc 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 answering emails which i do do but believe it or not it's just hard to get through sometimes but um Rosie came upstairs, which she doesn't do very often now. And she was hassling me for food. That's like a good sign, by the way. Sony, what's going on, Sony? There's my man, TJ, Thomas Run. Hey, I got here before Tom did today. Kabuki Theater, what's going on, KT? Nice to see you here. Uh, Rocky, hi, Rocky. Good morning, back to you. Wendy says... Wendy says, open in her love channel. Look at that. Dude. I just watched a very interesting interview with Stu Peters. I'm not a fan called Watch the Water. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're going to try to get into the snake venom world if we have some time. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have here? Hucklebuck, what's going on? HB411. Oh, uh, let's see who else do we have. Are we caught up? Beth Berry. Double B. What's going on, Beth? Scrubbies. What the heck are these scissors doing? Yeah, they want to cut off his nuts. The dream became a nightmare. Looks like a bad trip. It wasn't he got drugged at uh Jackie Treehorns. Tondar expecting a new baby girl any day now. Hey, congratulations. Cheers to Tondar. Cheers to baby girl. Right on. Good for you, Tondar. Love that song, but I didn't hear it. Maybe I missed it since I just got in. Yes, you did not check what condition our condition was in at that time, but you did now. Glad you're here, Tamara. Let's see anybody else that I leave anybody out. Maurice, my man. What's going on, Maurice? Kylie M. Got a good chat group today. Very good chat group. Capricorn One, Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould is in some iconic fucking movies. I'll tell you a really, 
really good Elliot Gould movie. It's called The Silent Partner. And it's with Christopher Plummer. You have to see this movie. It's a kind of another version of a film noir movie. Really good movie. Silent Partner. Uh, let's see. Yes, it's my doppelganger. It's true. Oh, look at you guys are so great. Altman always loved throwing in those weird human pet interactions that reveal deeper character in a fun way. Yes, absolutely. Uh, let's see who else do we have here. Good chat group this morning. I think I got just about everybody more happy. Hi, more happy. We got a, we got some new folks here right on. Gotta love it. Yeah. Rosie's it's amazing, man. The, the thing that what's going on with Rosie, um, Christine. Hi, Christine. She's checking in from San Diego. Arlene Vega. Hi, Arlene. Oh, look at that. Good morning, family. This is so great. So great. So glad you're all here today. I almost changed the song today. I was, you know, there's a song by Mission of Burma called um, That's When I Reach for My Revolver. It's a great song. And I was trying to find a good video for it. And um, unfortunately, the, the Mission of Burma videos are, they're like at a club and it is kind of rough footage. But then Moby did a version of it, which looked pretty good. The video was pretty good. But I didn't do it. I stayed with the Big Lebowski and just checked in to see what my condition what condition my condition was in. Yeah, the Rosie story is very inspirational. She's a tough little girl, man. And uh, the Rife machine seems to be doing wonders for her condition. So fingers crossed. Let's hope we can get that uh, that carcinoma, that, that, that tumor in her lung down. We've been giving her a little bit of that carnivora stuff. A few drops on her paws. She licks it off. It's the best way to get it into her body. Your carnivora is from the, uh, uh, the Venus flytrap plant. Apparently, it's like highly anti-carcinogen. All right. I guess we got to get into the, uh, to the story of the moment, which I didn't really want to get into, but we're going to get into it anyway. And it is um, what's happening in New York. And the subway. Five shot in Brooklyn subway by man in gas mask who threw smoke grenade sources. A sweeping law enforcement investigation is underway after the shooting at the 36th Street station in Sunset Park. People are being asked to avoid the area. Okay. So this is much deeper. Pun slightly intended. What we know, at least five people have been shot in a Brooklyn subway. I think it's up to 813 now uh, by a man in a gas mask and an orange construction vest who may have tossed a smoke canister on the platform to distract the rush hour crowd. According to NYPD officials and senior law enforcement officials, they stress the investigation is preliminary. Okay, so what do we have here? It's this graphic scene. Okay, what you know, I I'm just whenever I see this shit, my radar just goes up. It's like, okay, what's really what's really going on here? 
what is really going on here? Is it real or is it Memorex? Remember Pearl Bailey? Was, it was Pearl Bailey did that, right? Or Ella Fitzgerald. was Ella Fitzgerald. And then the glass breaks. Is it real or is it is it live or is it Memorex? That's what it was. At least five people have been shot in Brooklyn subway station by a man wearing a gas mask and orange construction vest who may have tossed a smoke canister on the platform to distract the rush hour crowd. The shooter was not in custody an hour and a half after he opened fire at 36th Street and 4th Avenue Station in Sunset Park around 8.30 a.m. Tuesday, the extent of the victim's injuries wasn't clear, but at least 13 were taken to hospitals. It's not clear if all had been shot. It's really not clear at all. I don't see any blood. Supposedly, there might be some blood there. We don't know. We do know that they have things called blood packs that they use in stunts in Hollywood. The man is about five feet, inch, five foot five in inches tall and 180 pounds. So he, if he's wearing the orange mask, he's a uh, the orange vest. He's a pumpkin. At five foot five and 180, he's a pumpkin. He fled the scene. Has not been caught. Okay, so why is this important? Well, first of all. The Biden administration is moving very rapidly now to disarm the American people. Uh, they just hired the new head of the DEA, a guy by the name, I think his last name is Dallenbach. Maybe the first name is Chuck. I know the last name is Dallenbach. Uh, a college mate of Obama's, meaning that um, he met up with Obama at a cafe. Because I seriously doubt that Obama went to any fucking classes. He didn't go to any classes at Columbia. Nobody saw him at Columbia. Nobody. He had an apartment in New York City. And that's where he spent most of his time. There and in probably other people's apartments. Right. And then he went to uh, he went to Harvard, right? Didn't Obama go to Harvard? because he was a, on the Harvard Law Review editor. He never wrote a fucking article. Probably did, he made speeches. Obama made speeches at Harvard. So I don't know what college this guy Dallenbach went to, either Columbia or Harvard. And if he was a classmate of Obama's, he was probably buying drugs from Obama or selling drugs to Obama, one of the two. That's probably what happened. Oh, by the way, before I forget, a big tip of the cap and a shout out and a thank you to uh, Mr. Uh, Spiral Cosmos Art for actually saving Friday's show. He downloaded Friday's show, put it on YouTube, and Friday's show is now available on BoxCast. It will be available on Rumble later today when I'm able to put it up. So let me just show you here, boys and girls, cats and kitties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What condition my condition was in. So it's right there. I'll take you on to the back end of BoxCast. I'll show you. Right there, Friday forecast. 
So for everybody who was wondering where the Friday show went and who was really disappointed, some people got halfway through it. And by the time they went back to the video, it was gone. So YouTube told me that I had violated their community guidelines around COVID. I don't even really remember talking about COVID on that show. I don't remember most of the things I talk about. Sometimes I don't. You know, it's like, okay, it's in the moment. It's over, gone, done. But I remember quite a bit. I don't really remember talking much about COVID on Friday. All right, let's get back to um, the, the, the DEA. So he hires this new guy. Now, they have this event, this shootout in Sacramento. And it was a gangbanger that they had released from prison who gets into this shootout. Oh, we've got to get rid of ghost guns. What is a ghost gun? A ghost gun is a kit. It's a kit you can buy and assemble. And um, mean you don't have any serial numbers. So, okay, they're going to start to ban ghost guns. So what's next? Uppers, lowers, all these other things that you can purchase to assemble your own weapon. Usually it's an AR-15, right? Is that what's next? Is that what's coming next? That, is that what is coming next? They want a national gun registry. They want to know everybody who has a gun. And if you don't register your gun and you have a gun, and they'll basically, you know, cart you off to jail, right? That they're going to, and they're going to be a lot of people who are not going to do that. I'm going to tell you that right now. So this is going to be the next big, great divide in this country. So they're going to use this event in New York City for number one, because they just hired a new uh, DEA guy, right? So they're going to use this event to con continue to further this, this narrative about ghost guns and guns in general. The other thing too, is never let a good crisis go to waste. You know who said that? Fucking Yuval Harari. That little shit said, never let a good crisis go to waste, right? Let me show you this picture. Let me show you this picture. By the way, the, the, the Google image is the fat lady is singing. What does that mean? Okay, this goes back to November 3rd, 2021. Let me show you this picture. So that's Eric Adams, New York's version of Willie Brown. And the guy next to him is Eric Schmidt. What is Eric Schmidt doing at this party? What is uh, Eric Adams doing at this party? A couple of Eric's. Hi, Eric. Hi, Eric. Well, Eric Adams is very into cryptocurrency. He's a huge proponent. He's probably made a shit ton of money off crypto, by the way. And Eric Schmidt is uh, 
the brain trust of Alphabet, which is the parent company of Google. He may not be there any longer. So the weird thing about Eric Schmidt, and some of you are probably already know this, but there's this story that Eric Schmidt and his two daughters were poisoned by the Chinese and that there's no cure for the poison. So Eric Schmidt has to do what the Chinese tell him to do because they will send him on a monthly basis the thing that can keep the poison at bay. And one month they only sent him enough for two people instead of three, meaning that one of his daughters died of the poison because Eric Schmidt did have a daughter that died. So that's a very bizarre like side note with Eric Schmidt. And the poison thing kind of gets into the snake venom thing, which I will try to touch on, or the snake, yeah, the snake venom stuff, which I'll try to touch on today. So why is Eric Schmidt there in New York City? Why is he hanging out with Eric Adams? Well, I could tell you right now that Eric Adams is probably working with Eric Schmidt to make New York City completely Q code accessible. Meaning that if you're going to go to a subway, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to present a Q code because that guy in the subway is a security breach, even though it's probably a false flag. Inflation's at, at a 40-year high, excuse me, 40-year high with inflation. You have this event now, which everybody's going to be talking about for about, what, 72 hours. But this is where New York is going to go. And there's a reason why Eric Schmidt is there with Eric Adams, because Eric Adams, and I've thought a lot more about Eric Adams. And so the first, the, you know, first of all, I don't think he's book smart. I don't think he's book smart, but he is street smart. And Eric Adams is born in 1960. He's the year of the rat. And rats are, they're, they're very opportunistic. So he's an opportunistic motherfucker. That's clear. And again, you don't get to become the mayor of New York if you don't have any game. Let's put it that way. Like they could take anybody and make them mayor and that person would be uh, somebody who's susceptible and vulnerable and just an errand boy. And Eric Adams is, is part, partly that. He is partly that. And you can see through his history how compromised he's been. Because he is compromised. Just go back and look at that case with uh, that rent, the guy who lost his house to the mortgage scam. Sonny Shoe, right? Eric Adams was the guy who basically cock-blocked the whole thing. And the report that he did write was so unintelligible and misleading that it, it actually made Sonny Shoe look worse to the FBI than better and say, look, this guy needs your protection. So Eric Adams played that role, right? That's kind of like being, you know, and I was talking with uh, Mr. Cruz last night. And we were talking about Stalin and Eric Adams is a lot like Stalin. They're very different astrological signs. 
Eric Adams is a Virgo. Stalin, of course, is Sagittarius. But he's a lot like Stalin. And Stalin dropped out of high school. Stalin was really smart, though. When he was in school, he was you know, supposedly at the top of his class. And you look at his chart, he's got Mercury trying Uranus and Mercury trying uh, Neptune. He's got a grand trine with Mercury, even though it's retrograde. It's at 11 Capricorn. So Stalin is fucking smart. But he was also ruthless. He is at Mars-Pluto opposition. And he so Stalin became the general secretary, which is the second most powerful position in the hierarchy of the Soviet Union. That was the role that Nikita Khrushchev had, general secretary. So what happens when you're general secretary? You get to handle all the communications. You also get to appoint people. And this is what Stalin did. And when Lenin, which I talked about again, when Lenin realized that communism was not going to work, Lenin realized this and he realized that they needed to make reforms. And the reforms were incentivizing people to be productive. He did this from his bed where he had a stroke. And who's uh, the secretary general? It's Stalin. He takes his stuff, changes it, omits a ton of it. Lenin is helpless. He can't do anything. And then Stalin runs his regime, which is bloodthirsty and purges. And instead of incentivizing the kulaks, he says, fuck you, get out of here, get on the trains, go to Siberia, we're taking your shit over. Because that's what happened. Right before, they, they, they kept the kulaks there. And they said, you have to do this for us. If you don't do this for us, there's going to be trouble. So you can keep your place. You can keep your family. You just have to grow all this grain for the rest of Russia. By the way, Russia was selling a lot of that grain to other parts of Europe too. So they were feeding themselves. They were feeding the soldiers. They were feeding, you know, the hierarchy, the Politburo. Well, I don't think they called it the Politburo then. But they were also selling the grain and making money off of it. But when that happened, the Kulaks were like, eh, you know, there's really nothing in for us. We're, we're, we're not all that, you know, motivated to do this. And that's when Lenin came back to them and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pay you. We're going to pay you for the wheat. You'll make money off of it, but we're going to take taxes out of it. So like, okay, that's better than nothing. Right. So then they got productive again. And then Lenin realized that what was going on with the country was untenable. Like they couldn't manage the country without motivating people. That's the dirty secret that died with Lenin. And st once he dies, Stalin's like, you know, hey, fuck them. We're just going to take it over. We're just going to be pure nationalist. And then we'll get people in there that'll run their farms. So the Kulaks are like the middle class. And then they get shipped off to Siberia, right? So Eric Adams has a little bit of Joe Stalin in him because Eric Adams is, and Stalin was rough around the edges, although I think Stalin was probably smarter than Eric Adams, at least in a classical sense. Like Stalin studied theology. His mother wanted to be a priest, an Orthodox priest. How about that? Boy, 
did he fall off the wagon? So Eric Adams is, is street smart. He may, he's so when you get into a position like that in New York city, you have to have something you can't, I mean, you could be an errand boy and I think he kind of is an errand boy, but he's also got this other game going on and his model. Let me see if I can find this video because I'll show you what his model is. And I promise I'll get back to the uh, other stuff. He's very hard to understand here because he's, um, Eric Adams is a code switcher. When he, when, 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 when he works, when he's working the crowd, um, here's the video when he's working the crowd, right? He sounds like a brother. And when he's not working the crowd, he's doing his best to articulate every syllable in his uh, presentation. So in this video, this is from February 1st, 2022. I think it came out a little bit before this. He's telling He's running for mayor. This is when he's running for mayor and he's telling a group and these are, uh, I think it's part of uh, like his presentation to one of the boroughs might've been, might've been part of Brooklyn and I forget where he's telling people that when he was captain and he's a captain in the NYPD, that he kicked the crackers asses every day. Now that's marginally important. The more important part is the the revelation of his methodology. All right, so let me play a little bit of Eric Adams here. Day in the police department, I kicked those crackers' ass, man. I was unbelievable in the police department when he one of the blacks in law enforcement. Came a sergeant, a lieutenant, and a captain. You know the story. Some people all of a sudden trying to reinvent me, but the reality is what I was then is who I am now. I'm called again. So it's so interesting. I'm coming right after the sister talking about um, uh, cannabis. I would rather wear white all day, grow a beard, smoke some weed, and leave this stuff alone. <laughs> you hear me? Man, these Negroes, boy, these Negroes that wake up every day and don't like themselves, yeah. they're going to beat me up. Yeah. The people who say, where's our real black leaders, they're going to say, listen, who's Eric? You know, why does Eric think he should be mayor? Well, Negro, you run. <laughs> you run. Go raise the $7 million. You know, go do this hit. Let me tell you something, man. They are lining up. Eric can't be mayor. In the corners of the city, they are lining up. They know me. They know what I'm about. And they know what I'm going to do as the mayor of the city of New York. Listen, we're not going to play this game. We're taking 30% off the top of MWBEs. Not saying give it to a majority company to pass through. No, we're going to take the 30% off the top. Y'all have your 70%. The 30% is going to go straight to the women and minority-owned business. Now, let me. Okay, did you catch that?
So what, what he's saying here, but first of all, he's saying that those Negroes that hate themselves, this is a big ploy, right? You're either, you know, if you're Jewish and you come out against Jewish power, right? You come out against Jewish power and you denounce Jewish power. What do they call somebody like that? A self-hating Jew. Right. If you come out and you're if you're black and you come out against Eric Adams, what are you? A self-hating Negro. This is what he's saying. Right. So this is the psychology that they use. It's ad hominem. Like if you don't love me and you don't love my color, then you're a safe self-hating motherfucker. Or if you don't like me, you don't like the game that I'm running, you're a self-hating Jew. Right? This is this is the game they play. They they do this all the time with Jason Whitlock. But what does he say? He says, we're going to take 30% off the top. 30% off the top. And he's, and he's essentially saying, hey, do, do you think I really want to do this? I'd rather just wear white, whatever the fuck that means. Grow a beard and get high all day. No, he doesn't. That's bullshit. He's just saying that. Right? This is a guy who's a Virgo. That's not what he's about. He's a Virgo rat. But he's he's un, he's divulging his business model. This is this is the game he's running. Right? And he's smart in that way. Because number one, don't think that he's not aware of this. Of course he is. He's black and we have diversity, inclusion and equity, right? So all of these Fortune 200 companies are tripping over their dicks to make sure that they fall in line with BlackRock's ESG program. And I, I've brought this up before. I actually found the article, and it came out in 2018. It was in Forbes. And these Fortune 200 companies got together and said, guess what? We're not in for, we're not in it for the profit anymore. Oh, no. We're... If we're you know, profit's not our priority. Oh, really? Your shareholders are not your priority? No. The stakeholders are their priority. And the stakeholder is somebody who doesn't even have like a share in the company. The stakeholder is somebody who is somebody on the street or somebody living, you know, in a, I don't know, rent controlled area or somebody who is, you know, proudly living in uh, a, you know, a, an ICLA approved green city prison, right? That's who their stakeholders are. So when they say we're not in it for the profit, we're not in it for our share, we're for the stakeholders. They're saying, yeah, we're going to be, we're doing business for people that don't even really buy our fucking products and don't care about us. And the reason why we're doing this is because we're going to get compensated for it. And this is going to be the new standard that we're all going to have to jump through. So when we see things like the bailout, right? When we had the bailout, the stimulus package, people got $1,500, whoop the fucking D. You know, who really got the money? The Fortune 200 companies. They signed up for it. They got it, right? Who's in charge of doling out money now? It's BlackRock. Trump brought BlackRock into the government, right? He brought them in and put them right between the Treasury and the Federal Reserve. So BlackRock is going to make sure 
that certain people get the money when it's distributed. And these are the people that are going to play by BlackRock's rules and their fucking ESG scores, right? Eric Adams knows this. He knows it. And he's going to exploit the shit out of it. He's going to, he's going to exploit the shit out of it. He is going to run with this ball as far as he can go. And this is the danger of the equity-based society that we've set up now because you have a grifter like Eric Adams who does exactly what he's doing and is as dangerous as, as Joe Stalin, by the way. Stalin was a murderer. Adams, probably not a direct murderer. He, he, was, he was complicit in the murder of Sonny Shue, I can tell you that, by not really helping the guy and setting up the, the protection that he needed. So he's got that on his hands. He's got that blood on his hands. But he's as dangerous as Stalin. He's a modern-day Stalin. So if you go back and look at now, like what's going to happen with New York and security? Well, he is buddies with Eric Schmidt and the whole tech world. He's going to want to Q-code the entire fucking city. If you get on a subway train, you're going to need a Q-code. You, you, you don't think that's coming? I can tell you right now that's coming. He's sitting around, you know, talking with Eric Schmidt. And they're getting ready to implement these plans, right? If you're going to, and it will start with government access or public access. That's where it always starts. So the subway is a public access connected to the city, correct? So you'll need your Q code. You won't even buy a ticket anymore. You, know, you won't even, you know, put your money in and get your little token or your, your card, you know, your little plastic card. I've ridden those subways before. You won't, you won't have to do that. It'll be Q codes. And if you don't have a Q code, guess what? You're not going to ride the fucking subway. Same with the buses. It'll start there. It'll migrate into um, the government offices. Then it will migrate into government-related offices, contracts, buildings, and facilities. Then it will migrate into the private sector. And New York will be completely Q-coded up. And Eric Adams will drive that initiative guarantee you this is what's going to happen that's not no i'm not even talking about the gun stuff which is going to come out with this and of course you know they're just and we wonder why americans are so fucking cynical we wonder why it's because we're watching the absolute deconstruction and corruption of our system right before our very eyes and there are a lot of americans that care in spite of the fact that you know We've been infiltrated. Yes, I know. I know. You care. Jasper cares a lot. So that's what's going on with the subway thing. So I wanted to cover that. wanted to talk about that. Let's talk about the mask thing now. And then we'll get into the, um, the snake venom shit, which I have a number of thoughts about. Some of them positive and helpful. You know, I'm just the guy. I'm the guy that finds the fly in the ointment. That's me. I try not to be the person that pisses in the punch bowl. Trust me. I have a little bit of that with the snake venom thing. Although clearly, clearly plausible. Clearly plausible. Anyway, let's get into uh, the mask thing. I kick those crackers' ass every day. They know who I am. <sighs> okay, where are we? 
Philadelphia returns to mandatory indoor mask mandate starting April 18th. Why April 18th? If it was such a fucking emergency, why don't they do it like tomorrow? Anthony Fauci gave a warning yesterday that this was going to be the future for all of the United States. Good fucking luck. Good luck. There are still people that run around here with masks. I see them all the time. I was in uh, HEB last night. There was this woman with her grocery cart in the fucking parking lot by herself wearing a mask. You would think maybe that since she got out of the store, she'd take her mask off. Wouldn't rational people do that? No. No, she's in the parking lot with her cart, putting her cart back like a good mask. I put my cart back. I'm not one, I'm not a cart anarchist. But we still see them here, right? But now Fauci's saying this is the future of America. Good luck. Just in time for the Pennsylvania primary election, that's May 17th, Philadelphia returns to a mandatory mask mandate, according to Philadelphia officials. April 18th, masks will be required in all public spaces, including schools and child care settings, businesses, restaurants, and government buildings. Philadelphia has become the first major U.S. city to reinstate its indoor mask mandate following an increase in COVID-19 infections. Beginning April 18th, masks will be required in all indoor public spaces, including schools, child care settings, businesses, restaurants, and government buildings. Aren't the Philadelphia 76ers in the basketball playoffs? Are all the fans going to wear masks again? Listen to this, this liar. I sincerely wish we didn't have to do this again. I wish this pandemic was over just as much as any of you but I'm very worried about our vulnerable neighbors and loved ones. My hope that our actions today will slow the spread of COVID and help us avoid seeing ERs once again get so crowded that people can't get timely care when they need it. Health Commissioner Cheryl Bettigol said during a press conference on Monday, many people have noted Set of common characteristics behind most mask wearers. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania represents a high density concentration of those characteristics. I like Philadelphia. I'm sorry this is happening. But of course, it's the city that we associate with freedom in the United States. So symbolically, put the mask back on, right? What does Cheryl Bettigold look like? She's an MD. We have Jane Baker, Chief of Staff, Philadelphia Governor, Philadelphia.gov. Deputy Health Commissioner Frank Franklin, Franklin Franklin. Ryan Taylor. This is the new face of America right here. Let me show you the new face of America right here.
There's Cheryl Bettigol. There's Jane Baker, Chief of Staff. There's Franklin Franklin, PhD, JD, MPH. Ryan Taylor, COO. Gail Carter Hamilton, Chief Racial Equity Officer. James Garrow, MPH Communications Director. And of course, Palak Raval Raval Nelson, PhD, MPH, Deputy Health Commissioner. Kimberly Bunk, Director of Office Facilities Management. They got a lot of PhDs and MDs in here, don't they? This is the this is the face of the new America right here. Diversity, equity, diversity, inclusion, and equity. She just cares so much. She has a caring face. She has a Karen face. Actually, Karen connected to the word care, caring and Karen. I'm caring about that person. I'm caring about you all. Anyway, um, does it signal the return of the mask? Yes, I do think so. They're going to try to get people masked up again as we have more elections coming up in May. We have an election here coming up in May. A lot of people on the ballot. It was a year ago, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, year ago, May, that I was on the ballot for city council where I finished a glorious dead last. Though I did show well on election day. I will say that. I got a fair amount of votes on election day. But, <clears throat> you know, my camp didn't, uh, didn't go out and ballot harvest. They didn't ballot harvest enough for me. So we have an election for the mayor and uh, two city council seats. And one of the city uh, council seat, one of the people that's running for city council is one of the people that I ran against, James McDonald, who accused me of being a cult member or a cult leader and um, a Satanist, his wife accused me of being a Satanist on Facebook. She doesn't know what a real Satanist is like. Trust me. She did. It would, it would uh, make her blanch. It would turn her already pallid tone even whiter, a whiter shade of pale. Anyway, he's having a meetup, I think, next week. And I was actually thinking of like showing up and kind of dressing up like a cult leader and maybe hiring some crazy like women from Austin to come out here, pay them like 50 bucks a piece, showing up at the meet and greet. I could wear robes and all kinds of weird shit and bring them. That might be fun. Come out and support him. Wouldn't that be fun? Walk up to him, put my arm around him. James, brother, I'm so down with you. I am here to support you and your campaign. Vote for James. And I could have my, uh, my little cult members around me. That might be fun, kind of fun. I might do that. Anyway, they have these elections coming up. So, of course, they're going to 
by the time November rolls around, COVID will be back in style. I guarantee it. It'll be back in style. And people will be thrilled about having to wear the mask again. Because they don't want people showing up at the ballots now, do they? They don't want people showing up to vote. Oh, just mail it in. We're good. Because, you know, the way things are now, these people are going to get their asses kicked. They're just, they're going to get their asses kicked. But, of course, they're smart. They're clever. They don't play by the same rules. that, And, you know, the, the right is fucking stupid. I'm sorry they are. But they're also in on it. So they're not that stupid. You think that Lindsey Graham and all these fucking rhinos aren't in it? Of course they are. They just want to keep getting paid. And of course, they don't want to be, um, they don't want to be outed because they're all being fucking extorted. Anyway, let's talk about snake venom. Dr. Artis, who's a chiropractor, if I'm not mistaken, spent a great deal of time looking at the symptoms of people who have suffered COVID-19. And a lot of you, because you guys were on the ball, right? A lot of you have figured, a lot of you have watched any number of the videos that he's doing now. I didn't, I'm just telling you, I I don't like Stu Peters. I, I don't like him. I'm sorry. I, you know, I should probably be more accepting, but I just, there's something just really off about the dude. His, you know, just like, you know what he's like? You remember those little gelatin pills and you would put them in water and they dissolve and these little sponge creatures would come out of there. That's what he's like. You know, basically they'd, they'd have these little tiny, sponge seahorses or sponge giraffes or whatever they were, right? And they were in these little gelatin capsules and the gelatin would melt and you sit around and watch gelatin melt, okay, melting, melting. And all of a sudden it would melt and slowly but surely this little creature would emerge. You do that once or twice and it's like a big fucking deal. Do you remember the soap that had the little uh, little troll in it, which we used to call wishnecks? Remember those soaps? I remember one time I didn't want to just use the soap. This was, you know, I, on the uh, emotional IQ test, I would have been the kid that flunked it. I would have, I would have been at the back of the class with Daniel Goldman's. What, I get a, a donut now? Fuck yeah, I'll eat the donut now. Versus two donuts an hour from now, I would not have been that guy. I'd like to say that I would have been that guy, but I would not have been that guy. And that's demonstrated by my behavior of taking a knife and cutting out the center to get the little fucking doll out of there. It's like, who wants to use the soap? Just me get to the doll. And when you get to the doll, it's like, this is what I got. This little, this little fucking thing. This little, little cursed totem. Anyway. Um, so he did this thing, watch the water. So apparently the shit's in the water. I don't, I don't dispute that, by the way. But it's probably not just the water. It's probably in the air. It's probably airborne. Uh, remember the Obamas? Oh, you got to drink a bunch of water. Drink 18 ounces of water. 
You got to make sure to drink 24 ounces of water a day. Drink as much water as you can. You know, why were they talking about it? Why, why were they promoting water? So have, they really don't care about people's health. Are you kidding me? Whatever these people do or ask, just do the opposite. You'll be fine. Yeah, don't drink. If you're going to drink water, you, you better like figure out how to drink really good water. So I didn't watch the watch the water only because I have a predisposed um, prejudice against Stu Peters. I still think he's DIA. And the reason why I have a predisposed prejudice against Stu Peters, and again, if you want to watch Stu Peters and you're getting valuable information, fine. I'm not, I'm not here to say don't watch him. Please. Watch whoever you want to watch. Get what you can out of whatever you can. Just understand that these people have limits and they can't go certain places. Alex Jones, great example. Never talks about Masons and he never talks about the neocons. Maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. Certainly doesn't talk about Zionists, does not talk about Israel. It's always... The Nazis. The Nazis. I was watching a video of Mel Kay. The Nazis. They won. Now, Mel Kay will talk about the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds. I give her credit for that. But it's always the Nazis. So the two kind of cancel each other out. If you're not really smart and you're just buying the party line, hook, line, and sinker, you'll believe that. And yeah, sure. Did the did the German brain trust come here? Yeah, they did. Guess where else they went? They went to fucking Russia, too. Like, okay, we're going to divvy up sides. How do you think the Russians were able to theoretically build an atomic bomb and a hydrogen bomb, if you believe in that? They've got footage of it, right? So supposedly it's real. But if they did, then who helped them build it? It was the Germans. Remember, Russia occupied part of fucking Germany for until 1961, 1960, rather. Oh, by the way, Maurice, thank you for correcting me about Pearl Harbor. I appreciate that and the date. Thank you. Um, yeah. And there was, it, it, the weird thing about the whole East Germany thing, like there were riots. There were people in East Germany that were like, fuck this. We don't want to be a part of this. And what did the West do? Didn't do shit. Oh, well, okay. Well, we're not going to do, we don't want to get involved. You know, a lot of the reasons why we're in this situation that we are now is because we have these fucking enablers. Anyway, let me get back to the, the, the snake venom stuff. So supposedly it's in the water. Okay. Fine. But this guy, Artis, number one, he's very slick. People can be slick. That's fine. I'm not decrying slickness. There are days where I'm slicker than others. I'm not decrying his slickness. He's very polished. He's very polished. Presentation is very polished. Uh, he did an interview with Mike Adams, which I watched in total last night in anticipation of today's show, so I could talk about this. And he makes a very good case about the whole snake venom thing. 
um, and that the monoclonal antibodies are the thing that would cure snake venom or, you know what I mean? So it's like another piece of the puzzle. Now, what's interesting about Mike Artis, or is his name Artis? It's his doctor. I don't know what his first name is. Jeff, Steve, Dr. Artis. The interesting thing about him is how he lined up these interviews and who he lined them up with. He lined them up with, of course, the exclusive was Stu Peters, who came out of fucking nowhere, right? Stu Peters, Mike Adams, and you know Mike Adams asked some good questions, and he, I think he did a good interview. Mike Adams has a working knowledge of uh, biology, so he asked informed questions. But even Mike Adams, like, you know, how the fuck does this guy afford to do his his website? You know, the streaming website? Truthion? No, it's not Truthion. How does he how does he afford to do that? That takes a lot of money. You have to have a lot of server space, a lot of bandwidth. Brighteon. How does he do that? He sells what? Vitamins, minerals, supplements to be able to afford that? I don't know about that. I'm just thinking out loud. And I've always thought this about how do the fuck do, that shit is not cheap. And if you go in and you look at the views on his videos, some videos get 50 views, 100 views. He gets the most views. He gets around 40 to 50,000 views. So it's not a big advertising mover. The numbers really aren't there. Probably have better numbers on Rockfin, honestly. So who's doing this? Where does he get his money from? This is just a question. I have to ask questions. That's what I do. So he has Mike Adams. He has, of course, the Stu Peters thing. He has Ann Vandersteel. I'm rolling my eyes. The Steel Truth. Scott McKay. I've kind of come around a little bit on Scott McKay. A little bit. Not as down as I was when he was running around with Sasha, Sasha Stone. And Sasha telling him about his grand destiny and him like, you know, you know, smoking Sasha's pipe on that. So I think, I think he's come back to earth a little bit and I've, I've heard a few of his shows and you know what? They're listenable and he's got some good information. So he's in the mix, right? Am I leaving somebody out? I think he did an interview with Owen Schroyer. He didn't do an interview with Alex Jones, at least not yet. So the rollout of this thing and the people that he was rolling it out with, kind of the usual suspects. But it's all very orchestrated, very timed. And you know what? Maybe it should be. When you have something theoretically this important, you don't want to let the cat out of the bag. And so you want to spring it on people, have everything lined up. And I guess these are the biggest channels where he's going to get the most bang for his buck in terms of getting the message out. You know what? I don't have a problem with that. Sometimes the messengers, though, are a little, a little dubious. Anyway, um, so could it be snake venom? It sure as hell, sure as hell sounds like it. Now, here's what I have to understand, right? So Stu Peters did an entire year's worth of 
deep diving with the the big fake Dr. Jane Ruby. And she is a big fake, by the way. Sorry. I mean, that that's I went through all of that. She's co-written one fucking paper, which was um, funded by a pharmaceutical company. She wrote a book on social media and the power of social media. She's buddies with Mike Cernovich. She's buddies with Roger Stone. She had a website that was just literally thrown up with her and her little white coat and her stethoscope. Like she's a fucking doctor. And maybe she is a doctor. I don't know. But guess who else is a doctor? Jill Biden's a doctor. She's a fake. I'm sorry. Total fake. Dr. Jane Rubenstein. Um, that's maybe not her name. But I'm kind of messing around with Jack Ruby. Oh, sounds a lot like Jane Ruby, doesn't it? Coincidence? Anyway, they spent the whole fucking year, him, Jane Ruby, Carrie Madej, whoever else he could bring on the show, to talk about what's inside of the vaccines. So, of course, the uh, the the, tech, the technological the technological application for the cure to COVID nineteen, and what do they come up with? What they come up with, you know, iron oxide, and and uh, they come up with nanobots. They come up with these hydras, you know, all this shit, right? All this stuff that is supposedly in the vaccine, and by the way. It's not just the water that it's that the snake venom is in the vaccine. Okay. So what's really in the, is it snake venom? Is it all those other things as well? I, and again, I did not watch, I apologize. I didn't watch the watch the water video. So maybe they did cover this, that it's snake venom and more. So I might be answering my own question, but if not, like, what about the other shit? Are you, are you just going to blow off a year's worth of research and now all of a sudden we're on the snake venom train? And by the way, I do think there's a there there with the snake venom. And I'll tell you why. I will tell you why. Back in 2007, late 2007, I was hit with what I would call a scalar weapon right in my third eye. I've told the story before. About 1.30 in the morning, I was in front of our gigantic TV and I was working on my website and it felt like a tuning fork had hit me right here. And then the, the waves went from one lobe to the other. It was very disturbing. And it did not feel like a mystical experience. It did not feel like a peak experience. It felt like something other had come into my body, hit me right there. And the next day, I wound up coming down with vertigo, and it was horrible. I had a Jacob's Ladder moment at the hospital. Chinese doctor, cold fucking bedside manner. Really cold. Like, even though I was going through this weird thing, I could still see, right? My ability to see that person was not interrupted by what was going on with my ability to stand up straight and not vomit. And she was cold, like a, like a robot cold. 
And the nurse who I was dealing with was also kind of cold. And I, and I, so I, I asked her, I said, what's, what's going on with this doctor? And she said, what do you mean? The doctor was Chinese, by the way, the nurse wasn't. She said, what do you mean? I said, her bedside manner is chilling. Like I'm going through something here and I'm not right. And I'm not well. And I find her bedside manner to be chilling, cold. Why is this? And this nurse, it was interesting because she was kind of like that too, right? And when I said that to her, she shifted. And she became a little more attentive and she understood what I was talking about. She knew that I knew that the doctor was as cold as the witch's tit, okay? She knew that. So she became more attentive to me. Not that I needed to have her hold my hand or anything, but it was an interesting interaction. I get up. I Eventually, I leave the next day. I go to sleep at home. I wake up. I'm thinking, I hope I'm better. I'm not better. This goes on for days and days, right? So eventually, I wind up at a um, homeopath, and I tell the homeopath what's going on. And she rummages through things and, you know, like figures out, you know, what my cure should be. Guess what my cure was? It was a homeopathic snake venom. That's what she gave me. Isn't that interesting? Here I come down with this brutal, and I mean brutal, vertigo. And she gives me homeopathic snake venom. So what was really going on? What was going on as far back as 2007? You know, was it a byproduct of what I thought was a scalar array? Was it a scalar array in conjunction with what was already floating around in my body? Question mark. Was it in the water then? Was it in the air then? Because we got the shit chemtrailed out of our skies back then. And did this thing happen that set this thing off? So I took the homeopathic snake venom stuff. Didn't really work. So I went back a second time and she said, you need to go see this woman who does cranial sacral therapy. She thought I had Meniere's. Anytime anybody has vertigo, oh, you have Meniere's. Meniere's is when you have these little, these little rocks are inside your ear, right? And they become displaced. So they have the Meniere's maneuver where you kind of like lay on your side and they move you around and have you sit up and all this shit. That didn't really work, right? But what did work is when she did craniosacral therapy, and I've talked about this before, all the plates in my head had fused. So you have these plates in your head and they have to have these channels. So your cerebral spinal fluid can come up through the back of your spine, through your neck, and then lubricate your brain. That was all frozen for me. She must have done at least six sessions where she just went in and opened up these plates in my head and it helped tremendously. Snake venom didn't do much or the homeopath, but it's interesting that she prescribed that. So I think there's a there there. And I think we've been dealing with this for a while now. And then you get into the whole snake and reptilian thing. 
And to bring it into the astrological context, which some of these people won't do, is that we're dealing with the South Node in Scorpio, right? What did I talk about on Sunday night show, which was on this channel, by the way? I talked about the South Node in Scorpio being revelatory. And as it moves into the Piscean decan, guess what? We would get information around things that are Piscean related, oil, gas, drugs, vaccines. And the South Node in Scorpio, Scorpio is what? It's a reptilian energy. I don't like Ophicus. I actually like Scorpio. Ophicus crushes Scorpio, right? Ophicus is the serpent inside of sidereal astrology. And there's a there there. Don't get me wrong. There is a there there, right? Ophicus theoretically being the 13th sign. It's not really the 13th sign. It's actually the uh, ninth sign in sidereal astrology. So what are we learning here now? We're learning through the South Node in Scorpio that there's some reptilian shit, either inside the water or inside of the uh, either or water and or vaccines and probably through the uh, geoengineering spraying in the sky. Why not? Full spectrum, right? It's a lot of fucking snake venom. Now, maybe you don't need a ton. Or maybe you can even create synthetic snake venom, which is quite possible. So it's an interesting development. You know, how much play this will get remains to be seen. Of course, this is all very fringe. Uh, I don't think Tucker Carlson will Tucker Carlson will talk about it because now you're really into tinfoil hat stuff with the snake venom shit. Trust me. But it makes sense, clearly, because of how they deal with curing the whole thing, right? Monoclonal antibodies. And apparently those, you can't get them anywhere now. Can't get them anywhere. And then remdesivir, all remdesivir does is nothing. It actually facilitates, I think, the snake venom to be more deadly. If indeed this is true. And it certainly seems like it especially with the South Node in Scorpio. So I'm seeing these things line up, at least for me. It's like, okay, I think there's a there there. You know, where does it connect in with all the other stuff? You know, the Hydra. Is the Hydra part of the snake venom? Remember that little Hydra creature? In any case, whatever are in the vaccines, it is the final solution. I'm telling you right now, if they decide to ramp this shit up again with the mask and the vaccines, people are not going to be into it. They are not going to be into it. They have reached their level of saturation. The only people that will be into it are the people that identify with institutional power. They'll be into it because they don't have any power. They'll identify with the institutional power. By the way, institutional power can mean a number of different things. Like sports teams are institutional power. 
you know, if you identify, hey, this is my team, you're, you're, you're tapping into institutional power. When they do well, guess what? Wow, my self-esteem is much better. And, you know, and I would see this with people who would be front runners. I used to work with this guy, his name was Precious. And he was in this uh, hip hop group called the X Clan. He had his, uh, his, you know, little cubby next to mine at uh, the offices of MP3. And he was hired by, by uh, mp3.com because he had cred. See, this is, this is the system, right? This is how the system works. At least in this version of it, Michael Roberts says, oh, let's hire him. He has cred. He'll be able to sell mp3.com to the hip-hop world. He was the laziest motherfucker I had ever met. He didn't do shit. He walked around all day and talked to people. Now, his nephew, young guy by the name of Tyre, completely different character, great work ethic, tremendous work ethic, very cool young man. Love Tyre. Precious, on the other hand, you know, I worked next to the guy. He tried to treat people well in a work situation. He was a lazy motherfucker. He didn't do shit. Then eventually they had to fire him. And of course, he's going to sue because he's racist. Played the race card. Anyway, he was a front runner. He was always into teams that were winning. Whatever the team that was winning, that was his team. That is somebody who has no power. And what do they do? They identify with institutional power. In this case, sports team. And I called him on it one day. I said, how come you only are into teams that win? You know, it's like that. LeBron is like that. LeBron is the fucking front runner. It's institutional power. People are into it, man. Because they don't have any power of their own. Let's get the power back. Right, Jasper? You got to see Jasper right now. He is fucking blissed out. You are blissed out. You have the life. Why are you so blissed out right now? He's on his back. I should have a Jasper cam. Yeah. Oh, now you want to fight. All right, I'm out of here. Um, I'd like to leave you with something positive. What is power to you? How do you connect in with the source of power that powers all things? We are nothing without that source. Trust me. I've been there. I've lived without that source. It is a very dark place. Make sure at least one time today that you acknowledge that source that living God within as being the power that drives your vehicle and your battery in this lifetime. Acknowledge it. Just one point. I'm acknowledging it right now, today. Right now in this moment, I am nothing without that source. I am nothing without the power of the living God within me. I'm nothing. 
Trust me, I've been there. It's not, it's not a nice place. Affirm and decree, however you want to, that that power exists within you and live with that power step by step, breath by breath from this moment forward in this day. All right. Use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart to say what's possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. Take good care. We'll see you around these parts tomorrow, 9-11 Central Standard Time. Myself, Jasper, and the lovely Rosie. Bye for now.